you won't capitalize on a lot of deals because you're just looking at it through a prism of flipping. And flipping takes time. It takes a lot of capital. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all the fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. And this is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We are here to serve you and help you get things going or take it to another level. With us today, we've got a guest who has done about 40 deals with a mixture of fix and flips and wholesale deals. And he is a relative of a friend of mine as well. That's how I know him. How you doing? Dominic Goshaw. Hey, Joe. I'm doing really good. And it's great to be talking to you. So thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show and looking forward to diving in. As I mentioned, Dominic has done 40 deals a mixture of fix and flips and wholesale. He is a real estate investor at his company, which is Texas All Cash Home Buyers. He has over 10 years of experience prior to real estate in broadcast and digital media, marketing and sales. And he is, in case you didn't pick up on his wonderful accent, he is from Sydney, Australia. And he lives, though, now in Austin, Texas. So that's why his company is called Texas All Cash Home Buyers. And you can check out his website, TexasAllCashHomeBuyers.com. With that being said, Dominic, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Joe. As you mentioned, we're Aussies that are living in Austin, Texas. And we moved here in September 2014. And we've been investing full time since 2015. So nearly two years now. And my wife and I come from kind of corporate backgrounds. We actually met while working at a TV station about 10 years ago. And by 2014, I was working for a big telecommunications giant with 45,000 employees and was really a cog in the machine. And her brother had been living in San Antonio for the last eight years or so and had come from a consultancy background. And when the GFC kind of hit, decided to dive into real estate and he built up a great real estate investing business which was focused on uh, flipping single family residences. So every sort of second year we would come across to San Antonio and America for Thanksgiving and, and a bit of a holiday and every year we would see the kind of evolution of that business and what kind of struck 
for me at one point, you know, the last trip that we were there in 2014 was really just how open he was with a lot of his vision, his goals, his targets, and seemed to be achieving those. And they kind of say that people change out of either inspiration or desperation. I think I was kind of at that point in time, both a bit sick of what I was doing and really just kind of feeling like the hamster on the treadmill and then inspired by kind of what he was doing. And we just sort of sat down and really had a, a casual conversation about what it would look like to work for him. And I think at that time he'd had some plans for expansion into different cities within Texas. And one thing led to another. So really we had absolutely no experience at all with real estate, let alone investing. I literally couldn't tell you which end of the hammer was the right end. And within a couple of months, we'd gotten visas, sold everything we owned, and arrived in San Antonio with a, a one-year-old and, and a two-year visa. <laughs> so we really burnt the boat and jumped right in without too many expectations, which was a good thing, I think. And also, everything just happened really quickly. So two weeks later, we're in Austin, moving into an apartment, getting our home office set up getting our daughter into childcare, buying a car, trying not to drive on the wrong side of the road and get killed by these monster trucks that Texans like to drive. So that's kind of how we got to America. And when I look back, it feels like a bit of a dream. It's definitely been a roller coaster, but it's been a cool experience. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. That's bold. That's really bold. What skills did you acquire when you were in broadcast and digital media that you have applied, because you were in that industry for 10 years, that you've applied to your fix and flip and wholesaling business? That's a really good question. I think at the end of the day, certainly some management experience, I think, but more than anything, it's really just most of my career trajectory has been opportunistic. And I haven't followed a staid and, and linear fashion in terms of one job to another. Really, where I saw opportunity, I would go for it. And even if that meant a really steep learning curve, the bigger the challenge, the better. So I had quite a few different roles. I can see a common theme within those roles, but maybe on the outside looking in, you, you can't see how they kind of link together. And then I guess it's really just that attitude and that mindset of this looks interesting, I'm going to bite off more than I can chew and, and just chew like crazy. So I guess, and then beyond that, I guess it would be project management skills and being able to manage big technical projects with a variety of moving parts at the same time to try to achieve targets and goals, very, very goal orientated as well. So I like to think that focus is a strong suit of mine as well. But in some way you could say I left a lot of that back there, but in another way, you could say that everything I've done up to this point has helped me to become a real estate investor because you have to wear so many different hats. Mm -hmm. I went to your company's website, texasallcash.com, right? That's the website? Yeah, and just a caveat. So the business that we have now is a little different just in name. So when we came over on our initial visa, we were employees of Jeremy, who's my brother-in-law. And Texas All Cash. Homebuyers is the business that he's built up. And at the end of the two-year visa, we were able to get a new visa that allowed us to be 100% business owners. So we still have a very similar business model, but our business is called Austin All Cash Homebuyers because that's where we're based. 
we are in the middle of transitioning to that fully, but that's my brother-in-law's business. Okay, cool. You anticipated the question I was going to ask, so that makes sense. Jeremy is your brother-in-law who is on the site with his wife, and you did that because you had to legally, and now you've got you're starting your own thing because you got the different visa requirements. Austin, all cash home buyers. Okay, cool. Tell us about the last deal that you did, whether it's wholesale or fix and flip. Can you get into the numbers? Yeah. So the last deal is actually a fun one. And we had been contacted by a gentleman who had inherited a house and was looking to sell. And immediately from the numbers, I could tell he was very motivated. Austin's a very hot market. People have sky high expectations. So when someone comes in with a certain number, you're going to want to get there straight away and meet them straight away. But basically, he did all the negotiation for me. So that was great. That was smooth. And basically signed the contract on the boot of the car outside the house within five minutes of meeting him. It's clearly a good deal. Fast forward to uh, title work and turns out there's a bunch of liens on the property that he hasn't disclosed, one of which is a deal-killing IRS lien. And previously, that's happened to us a couple of times, and we've just sort of said, oh, well, you know, well, we tried, and tough luck, and, and walked away. And I'm not sure whether it was through our network of colleagues or whether it was from the title company, but someone said, hey, have you heard about requesting a partial release? which we hadn't, and I'm glad we, we now know about it, but effectively you make an application to the IRS asking them to discount the lien or accept partial payment for it. They don't discount it as in absolve the person of that full debt, but they'll take the proceeds of that sale so that the person owes less. So it's a bit of a process. You've got to get an application together. It takes the IRS about three weeks to just review it. If they do approve it, great, you can clear title and, and close on the deal. So he ended up making nothing on the property, on the sale, but it cleared a big, big chunk of change that he owed the IRS and allowed us to continue to move forward with the purchase of the property. So typically, because we're cash buyers, we're closing on deals really quickly. With this, it took about three months from signing the sales and purchase agreement through to actually closing. But it was a great experience and I wish we'd known it for the other deals where we've kind of just dropped it. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I haven't come across partial release before. Now, will you tell us the numbers on it too, just so we have some more context? We bought it for eighty-six and a half thousand. Yep. Yeah. And all fixed up. It's probably going to be around one ninety to two hundred, and it's probably going to take a good 40000 to fix it up. It does need some repairs, but they're the kind of numbers at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so 86 plus 40 is 126. We'll use round numbers. Valuation of 200, so 75000 So like maybe 60000 or something in profits after closing costs and stuff. Okay, that's great. What was it like going through the process with the IRS? Once you get the application together, you really just shoot it across and and wait for them to get back to you. And you've really got to make sure the application is 100% locked down. Otherwise, they'll review it, find that you haven't ticked this box, put you at the bottom of the pile, and, and you don't want to be at the bottom of the pile. So I think to get to that point where your application is, is airtight, 
that was what took a lot of time and was complex because there was the will wasn't probated. There were children from another marriage living in different parts of Texas. And so there was just a lot of digging around and, and pushing people for things and gathering information prior to the submission. But as And, you know, the title company was great in that they handled the submission process. And actually, it took less than three weeks for them to get back to us. So we were all a bit weary by the submission stage just because we're used to moving fast and sometimes with these sellers, they might disappear, you know, <laughs> once they're out of the house, which yeah. they had, and they're not vested in it and they know they're not making any money on it. What's their motivation? So we were really surprised. We were within a week, you know, the title company said, hey, cool, we got clear title, let's go. What was the conversation like with the seller when they were notified they weren't going to make any money on it? Well, I think typically that's not going to be a great conversation to have with any seller, but it all depends on their situation. So in this instance, the benefit to him was that he was getting $60,000 raised from a larger tax bill. So he still definitely had something to benefit from that. I'm very glad that that happened to be your last deal because that's an interesting scenario and something that a lot of listeners will benefit from when they come across something like this. I really think the learning from that is if you come up against these challenges and obstacles, and you will, and it doesn't matter what they are, something will always come up to test you. You know, never just write it off and say, well, okay, well, we tried. Ask the question, dig around. We're very, very new and inexperienced, and we're learning a great deal, but there's a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge out there, and and people are happy to help you and, and educate you. So ask the question before you walk away from the deal. Yeah, and I found it really interesting that you said the title company handled the submission process. Does that mean they were guiding you on what boxes to check and how to fill out the form? Yeah, in fact, they managed it end-to-end. What's the name of the title company? They're called Mission Title. They have a couple of different offices, but the ones we use are in San Antonio, Roxanne White. That's great. Look her up. Yep. Well, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice, I can speak to two different types of people, I guess. If you're in our boat where you know nothing about real estate and you just want to jump into it, get a mentor. Definitely go get a mentor and accelerate your startup and your education phase. And then I guess once you've done that and once you've made that leap, what we did was really just focused on flipping because that's what my brother-in-law's business was really dialed into. You know, he had a really mature and sophisticated business with just this production line of, of flipping houses. And so that's what we naturally were doing because that's naturally what a lot of the systems and checklists were relative to. But you won't capitalize on a lot of deals because you're just looking at it through a prism of flipping. And flipping takes time. It takes a lot of capital. It takes a lot of time and profit realization can be quite a way down the track. So I would just recommend for people to really start with wholesaling, not only from a risk and and a building out your service network perspective. I love it for the networking wholesaling, but it really forces you to think, how can I make money on this lead that's coming to me? And yeah, you leave a lot of money on the table compared to flipping, but it's quick and you'll just get this great education as well as connecting with all these different people that will service you on your along your path. Ready for the best ever lightning round? First, a quick word from our best ever partners. 
best ever book you've read? The best ever book I've read, really, at this level, anything by Grant Cardone is awesome. It'll get you pumped up, and things like The Closer's Survival Guide, it's just full of great techniques to negotiate and close deals, and, and that's what it really is at the end of the day. If you, you know, it doesn't matter how many houses you get into and how many assessments you make and all of that stuff. If you're not closing down deals, you don't have a business. He's great. Every time I read his stuff, I, I just want to go out there and put on a southern drawl and you know, <laughs> try one of his audacious techniques and they're great. You got to get one of those big trucks that everyone drives in Texas, like you said, too. <laughs> That's right. When I lived in Texas, I did have a truck and then now I'm in Ohio. I have a car. <laughs> Just how, how, how you got to roll in Texas, I think. Best ever personal growth experience. What'd you learn from it? Again, each rehab is a really great teacher, but quitting my corporate job and just jumping into this adventure, just the act of making a giant leap and going for it has been life-altering. So you can say it's luck, hard work, perfect timing, just the universe smiling on us, but really no matter what happens from here, I know that what I'm capable of and that the sky's the limit, you know, life's too short to not go for it. You mentioned that you mentioned you moved from San Antonio from Australia with a one-year-old and your wife. How did you convince your wife that this was the right decision? Or was she the one pushing for it? That's a huge move with a one-year-old, with a young family, going from one country to another, starting over in a brand new industry. I mean, there's so many life-altering events there. And maybe she was pushing for this and she was convincing you, or you were pushing for it, you were convincing her, or maybe you both thought about it. But how did that conversation go? I planted the seed when we were here for the last vacation. And my wife is very independent, very headstrong. She's my business partner in, in this business, and we're joined at the head and the hip on everything. But if I say something that she doesn't agree with, that's that. But I think something took hold, and she started to think about it a bit more. And, and it was maybe a couple of days later that she was like, I've been thinking about that. So once we were kind of on the same page, and it helped that it was her brother that was going to act as our mentor, our startup partner, and things like that, then she was just as enthusiastic about it as well. So that made it infinitely easier. And I think then it just all happened so quickly. So we kind of landed here and were like, whoa, <laughs> did that really just happen? And then, and then you're in it, you know? So yeah, it wasn't much of a convincing job. Family and friends and my boss, when I resigned and things like that, everyone thought we were crazy, but that's what people are going to think when you make a big change. Best ever deal you've done? The best deal, I don't really look at it. Do you mean from just a, a, a numbers perspective or however you want to perspective? I guess the best deal, I love the acquisitions side of things. The money is just a bonus and I love to hustle. So I guess the best deal was I had a rehab going on and the contract wasn't great and it was frustrating and he did some work in the shower that I had to redo with somebody else and it you know cost me three times as much money and put everything on delay and I had every right to be kind of pissed at that point but I just remembered a prospecting technique because anyone within six foot of you is a potential buyer or seller or someone that can help you and, and this guy was coming in to install a glass shower door that the previous contractor had stuffed up and I just said to him hey you know like we're, we're cash buyers we're looking to buy houses do you know of anyone that's looking to sell a house and he said 
actually, I do. There's a guy I know who tried out for a job with me and he was terrible and I dropped him off. I noticed he was just living in squalor. Here's the address, go check it out. You know, and I went and checked it out and it was a great neighborhood and the house was really run down and it had, I want to buy your house stickers all over it and letters from other investors. And I just knocked on the door and this guy answers the door and gave me a little bit of information enough for me to then take that and find the owner which was an uncle that lived in a completely different part of the country and I contacted him and basically just chipped away at this guy and eventually I guess he got it in his head that maybe he did want to sell the house and then he went dark and just I could not communicate with him could not find him he didn't give me much of his personal information so I really only had one number a work number but he told me he was going to come to Austin to look at the house just to make sure that all my info that I'd been giving him was legit and maybe to possibly meet some realtors and, and see if he could sell it. And I just went to the house every day for three days while I knew he was going to be here until I eventually ran into him and shipped away again. And, you know, he just wasn't interested. And then he went silent again for a couple of weeks. And then he called me three weeks after that and was like, can you close in a few days? And I was like, yeah. So it was just a pure lesson in persistence and resourcefulness. It wasn't the highest, I mean, the most profitable flip that we've ever done, but it was really satisfying to get that deal. And in the end, we turned it into a beautiful house and made some good money. Best ever way you like to give back? There's so much giving back in what we do on a day-to-day basis, whether it's solving homeowners' problems or turning problem houses into home buyers' dreams. And I also, you know, really enjoy the aspect of just the the direct contribution to the local economy here, whether it's title companies, attorneys, realtors, contractors, and things like that. So we never had that in our previous jobs, direct contribution and seeing, turning a tangible asset from a problem to a a thing that everyone likes and neighbors are happy with. But down the track, obviously, we want to be able to give back more. and, And I think affordable housing, particularly in a city like Austin, that's transforming rapidly is an area that we want to look at how can we give back through affordable housing and programs and things like that. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Uh, Biggest mistake? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think golden rules. You have to have golden rules, whether it's how you analyze deals or make deals or or whatnot. And if you don't follow those, you're going to get burnt at some point in time. So like for me, I guess, If you don't find the right contractor for a rehab, then it's going to bite you down the track. It might not bite you with with one house or one contractor the first time, but it will. So I think in this particular instance, we have a very robust pre-screening process. And don't skip those steps, whether it's checking referrals, driving houses that the contractors have worked on, making sure that they've got insurance, making sure that they've got all of these things that you require to control them. And the one time where somebody said to me, oh, I don't have insurance, it was just an excuse. And I needed to get going and my timelines were my timelines and I accepted that and he ended up being pretty crooked and the job suffered. So I think if you have a golden rule, stick to them, even if it means saying no to a deal or no to a relationship. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Well, I think just email is good. So dom at austinallcash.com. Send me an email and reach out. Thanks for sharing your journey to the United States and your journey as a 
budding entrepreneur and then where you're at now as a more established entrepreneur with 40 deals under your belt, fix and flip and wholesale mixture. The last deal, really interesting stuff where there were liens by the IRS on the property and you learned about and taught me about a partial release where the IRS is being asked to accept partial payment from the proceeds from the transaction and the title company that you were working with handled the entire process. So something that we can all put in our toolkit as we're trying to close more deals as well as talking about the other aspects of your business like you just mentioned at the very end have your golden rules and stick to them when we start deviating from what we know we should be doing that's when we get into trouble so thanks so much for being on the show hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon thank you so much joe i really appreciate it are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com.